Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Well, Jenny, thank you for joining me again. Thanks for talking with me. Yeah, I like uh, talking about education and what's happening with our kids in schools. So today we are deciding to do a little bit of a pre-show and just give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about today. First of all, parents, thank you so much for sticking with us as we've spent the last couple of weeks talking about policies and impact aid and all these different types of things. Sometimes some parents are wondering, why are we sharing so much about this? And today we're going to talk about the military student identifier with Dr. David Splatek, and he's going to give us some history and he's going to tell us some of the, the policies that are related to that. But Jenny and I were, were sitting and chatting about it also, and we felt like there were some other things that you as parents may be wondering, why are you even talking about the military student identifier? And maybe you didn't even notice when you were filling out the back to school paperwork um, that it asks if your child is the child of an active duty member. Yeah, this is the first year that it's being implemented. So the, the very first time you may be seeing it, like I've said in the interview, that some, some states were already doing it, but this is the year that all states have decided that they're going to collect that information. And, and the question is why? Why might they need the military student identifier? And we know that military kids move three times more often than their peers. And sometimes that caused that disruptions and disconnects and gaps in education. And there's also an extra layer of stress that sometimes happens for military families and kids when it comes to their very mobile lifestyle and some of the unique challenges when it comes to the military. Yeah, so we really want to look at this group of kids as a population and make sure that the schools and the school districts are aware of what the challenges are. And sometimes we wonder, what are the graduation rates for this population? And we haven't been able to know in the past. Yeah, and we also know that many academic professionals, they really want to help this population of military-connected students. There's some programs, extracurricular programs, there's groups, and there's resources for students. And also things like professional development trainings for the staff to help them be more empathetic and aware of the struggles that go along with this lifestyle. And this really, this identifier will help bring those students to light and let school districts and, and individual classroom teachers know that those those military students are present. So listen as Dr. Splatek and I talk a little bit more about the MSI and thank you for joining us. Thanks. Thank you everyone for joining us on our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Tara Gleason, MSEC podcast producer, parent to parent educator, active duty military spouse, and parent to three military kids. And I will be your host. Today we're going to talk about the Every Student Succeeds Act and the Military Student Identifier. Joining me for this discussion is Dr. Dave Splatek, who was previously the superintendent of Lackland School District and is now the MSEC ex-officio member of the Interstate Compact Commission. Thank you for talking with us, Dr. Splatek. My pleasure, Tara. 
Under the Every Student Succeeds Act, or ESSA, the federal education law passed in December 2015, public schools now collect data on the over 1 million military-connected school-aged children in grades kindergarten through 12 using the Military Student Identifier to assist military leaders, educators, and elected officials at all levels of government to understand how this demographic of children are performing in schools. Up until this point, there's been no reliable, consistent, school-based data on the academic health of these students. So we know that many people still do not know about this legislation. What exactly is the Military Student Identifier? And I've also heard Military Student Data Identifier and ESSA. And can you give us a little background on it, Dr. Splatek? Yes, I certainly can. Let me start with ESSA. The, um, it, it's uh, labeled the Every Student Succeeds Act. At its base, it's really the Elementary and Secondary Education Act that was first passed in uh, the Lyndon Johnson administration. And like most large pieces of legislation, it doesn't continue on forever. It has to be reauthorized every eight years. And sometimes, depending on what's going on with Congress and the president, it takes a little bit longer. So the Elementary and Secondary Education Act was passed in the 60s as part of the Great Society. And it contained all kinds of provisions to add support to schools and, and states all across the country, understanding that states still have the, the real job of educating all the, the children that live within their boundaries. But the Elementary and Secondary School Act added a lot to that. This time around, when the, the uh, bill was reauthorized in uh, December of 2015, it was styled or named the Every Student Succeeds Act. And uh, our organization, the Military Child Education Coalition, had worked hard to explain to uh, representatives and senators that, as you had said earlier, it's really important to know who these military children are. We, we really can't um, do the best job, make the best decisions about what kind of support they need, understand how well they're doing if we don't know where they are, who they are. So a, a provision was added that uh, just asked the question and tells school districts to ask the question, is this child the um, son or daughter of a member of the active duty forces? And we had asked for the Guard and Reserve, but that wasn't included. So it's, um, you, you just check the box and say, yes, my child is a, a son or daughter of a member of the active duty forces or activated guard and reserve. And uh, it's not a matter of uh, sending forward all the information about the student. We're just trying to figure out how many are military connected and how many are not. And why is there a need to track this military student data in schools? Well, a good question. And let me go back to the original intent of um, the Elementary and Secondary Education Act. The idea here is that schools and school districts and states can do a lot better job of supporting the, the, the children, making sure they get a great education if they know who they're dealing with. And that's why for ever since its inception, the uh, states and the federal government have collected information about which students are in special education programs, which students are in bilingual programs, or migrant programs, 
or gifted and talented programs. And, and the reason they collected that information was because they wanted to make sure that they were allocating resources to those kids, that those kids were doing well in school. And if they weren't, then the, the local school could make the changes, the district could make the changes to try to support these kids better. And that's all we're saying with military kids. Uh, we understand that military kids, uh, active duty kids especially, are very mobile. They, they go wherever mom and dad are assigned, and that means that their education gets starts and stops all along the way. And there may be some real differences from when they move from one place to another. So if a school knows that they've got military kids, then they know, okay, we better check and make sure we've got a support system in place. We've got the right intake procedures so that we can ease these kids into our program and they can hit the ground running. And when they leave us, they're going to be well-equipped to go on to their next assignment or to go on to uh, college or work or the military themselves. And what can parents expect to see or be asked in regards to MSI? Well, it's just going to be one more little box. Uh, um, as a parent, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, every time you go to enroll your kids in a new school, you're presented with a whole host of papers that ask all kinds of information about immunizations and what programs they've had before and just all of that kind of information. Nowadays, uh, some of that is being done online, but what they would see is one more question to say, is your uh, is the child uh, the child of a, a parent who's in the active duty forces or the or activated guard and reserve, and that would be it. I remember the first time that I saw that question. I was actually in the state of Illinois. I was registering my kids in a new school, and I saw that little box. And I was so excited because I knew that we had talked about it and that some states were already implementing it. And it actually opened up a whole conversation with the school principal about that she was a military child growing up. And there weren't many military-connected children in that school because we weren't near an installation. I think we ran across one other military kid that I pointed out to my kids because we saw their dad drop them off in uniform, but it, it was great because then she was sensitive to their needs and was able to reach out to them and just kind of gave them that little extra TLC, especially since we weren't near a military installation. So I remember getting excited about that little box check and how, and how it did open up that conversation for, you know, a school that wouldn't have even thought to ask that and wouldn't have even known that my kids were there and were military connected. And I think you've illustrated the real benefit of collecting the data. Yeah, that the, it's really at the school level, and it's, it's letting the, the principal, letting the teachers know, yeah, we've got military kids in this school. Any school is going to work real hard to understand who their kids are and what their needs are. And they're going to adjust things to make sure that what they're offering is going to provide the best education and the best support for their kids. And like a, a school, like any other organization, wants to know who it is that they're, who are their customers. So just as you said, if a school knows that they've got military kids, they're going to be more sensitive. And they're, in every school, you're going to find folks who've had that experience of being in the military. Maybe you've been a, a military child. And it's amazing what um, just that knowledge, that empathy will do to help folks make sure that they've got the right programs in place. And just as an illustration, 
if you've got a lot of military kids in school, then one of the things you do is say, well, gee, maybe we ought to pay attention to some of the things that really go on with uh, the, the military, like deployments, like anniversaries, like PCSing, permanent change of station. And when we do those kinds of things, just as we do for any other population we've got, the kids feel uh, more understood. As kids would say, well, gee, the folks here really get it. Parents have more confidence that the school is taking the extra step to understand its population and to do the right things for them. And uh, with, with that confidence, you build a lot of trust, and all of a sudden, really good things start to happen in classrooms and uh, between families and schools. So we think it's a, a very positive step to uh, have this data element added and uh, give schools another tool to understand their students and create good programs for them. So one concern that we've run across with parents or a misconception is the privacy of this information. How exactly will this information be used or can it be shared? Well, every school has to apply or abide by another law called the Family Rights to Privacy Act, FERPA is the acronym. So schools don't release that information. They report it through the, actually through their states. They have to report data every year about the entire element of the Every School, Every Student Succeeds Act. All of that is reported to the, the feds every year, but there are no names attached to any of that. So the numbers are there, but there are no names attached to it. In the same way, schools have information about whether or not students are in bilingual programs or migrant programs or special education programs, and they're, they're not reporting those names either. They're keeping track of who the kids are so they can provide uh, the right programming, but um, they, they don't release that information. And I think you'll find that um, school staff members are very careful to make sure that they're following the uh, Federal uh, Rights to Privacy Act, or fa the Family Rights to Privacy Act, uh, about all the information, and that includes the military student identifier. So what if a parent decides not to provide the information because it is voluntary for them to do that? Can schools just get the necessary information from the military rather than having to ask parents at registration if they're military connected? That's a good point. If a parent decides not to check the box, that's okay. And what would the school do? They'd say, okay, we'll just go on without the information because, no, uh, there's no way that schools can go to the military and ask for that information. The military, uh, because of the Family Rights to Privacy Act, will not provide that either. So, no, if the parent checks no or doesn't check the box, then uh, we just go on without it. Because, and, and that was the whole point uh, when, it was, uh, when the law was designed, when the language was put in there, it was always meant to be voluntary on the part of the parent. So that's absolutely their right. We encourage them to do it but it's their right to say, no, I'm not going to provide that. Right. And, again, just reiterating back to why schools want to know this. In the past, schools wondered, how do we find these students and deliver them, you know, those programs and supports that would help them in their situation. So that, that's the main reason when, when parents want to question if they want to provide that or not. So there's sure. something else called impact aid. Is the MSI designation connected to impact aid eligibility? Is this the same thing, or, or can you expand on that? 
That's a good question, and no, they're not related. I think there's been some interest in doing that. Let me, let me talk first a little bit about impact aid. Federal impact aid was set up in 1950 during the Truman administration, and the idea behind it was that uh, this was shortly after World War II in the military, the, the federal government actually had gone around the country and created a lot of installations to help support our efforts to win World War II. And when they did that, they, they took away land, and they also stationed a lot of troops there. And when you station troops there, their families come as well. So what was happening was uh, individual communities were really feeling the impact of that federal presence. Uh, and school districts were um, really feeling the burden in two ways. One, all of a sudden you've got this influx of students. And think about uh, in, when you go around the country, in most places, the way that schools are funded, one of the major sources is property taxes. Property taxes from the businesses in the community and property taxes from the homes in the community. And all that money that was raised went to pay for schools, to build schools, to operate schools, to hire teachers and staff members, all of that. Well, so here comes this military installation. They've got a lot of kids, but then they've got the land. And if you think about it, the federal land is not allowed to be taxed locally. So now you've got a huge burden on a local community. So they created, the, the, there was a federal law passed, Public Law 874, uh, called the Federal Impact Aid Law. And the, the whole idea behind it was this uh, law was going to allow or help replace lost tax money, tax revenue, to school districts because of federal presence. Most of the kids that um, were involved here were military kids. But there are other folks that um, work on um, installations as well, civilian contractors. And, and so there's a, they had a complex, still have a complex formula that takes into account how many uh, military children there are and how many other folks uh, work on the base. And all of that is calculated into impact aid. And what school districts, especially in a larger or in communities where there's a large uh, federal presence, they have to uh, thoroughly document that they've got these military kids, military families living in their community. And so they have to pick a date during the school year and they have to count all those kids. And they're, they have to um, identify who they are and where they live, whether they're on the installation or off the installation and they've got to keep detailed records because they're audited regularly by the federal government. And then impact aid money comes to the, the school system in lieu of those taxes. The um, military student identifier really focuses on educational programs. What is it that, that the school needs to do to support these kids? Uh, and we, uh, the, the, that information is collected all year long. So you've got impact aid money. Uh, based on a account uh, once a year that's identifying kids and uh, contractors on and around military installations. And you've got the MSI, the Military Student Identifier, that looks at whether or not this uh, uh, 
child in school is military connected, and then how do we create good programs for them? So there's some overlap, but I don't think, uh, and I think it's still being explored, but right now there is absolutely no connection with impact aid and the military student identifier. And I'm, I'm glad you've clarified that because I think often for parents it, it seems similar. So it's nice to know the difference between one and the other and how maybe one day they will connect but not, not right now. Correct. So thank you so much. This military student identifier is a real game changer. And up until now, teachers and school administrators were often unaware of their military-connected children being within their schools and their classrooms, and therefore they weren't able to be attentive not only to their academic needs, but also those social and emotional needs that those children have. And now there's more accurate considerations of the amplified needs of these children, and now it's possible via this landmark recognition of military-connected students with the Military Student Identifier. Thank you, Dr. Splitek, for telling us more about the Military Student Identifier, and thank you to our listeners for joining us, and please continue listening for our after show. So we were talking, and, and Jenny brought up some really good questions, and because she brought up the questions, I kind of figured you as parents would have these questions too. Right, so I wanted to know what information exactly are they collecting? So obviously they're counting numbers. Correct. But are they collecting test scores? Are they collecting graduation rates? What information is it? So every state's going to handle this a little differently, but in general, they, they're looking at data. So things like attendance and academic progress and graduation rates. Good. So that's kind of the standard thing. And I thought that was a great question to ask. And when we say identifier, then I started to wonder, is my child being assigned a number that I need to remember when we move from one state to another state? And I thought that was a great question as well. And all this information is aggregated. So it's not like your individual student, it's not something a parent needs to keep track of by any means. And no, it's not going to travel with you from state to state as you move. And even within the same state, it depends on what state you are, if, if that information is going to travel with your student or not. So I thought that was another great question of just knowing it's not something else a military parent needs to keep track of, or that it's going to follow you from state to state. So great question there. Um, the other thing that came up that didn't come up in the interview that I wanted to touch on is that under the MSI, so the Military Student Identifier, a parent should not be asked to verify their military status by showing their ID card or other DOD documents. Um, sometimes a military family may have to show a document like that, again, depending on what state you are. If you are, say, trying to get eligibility for a state-funded pre-kindergarten program. And, you know, being a military family is one of those things. So this is, again, kind of separate than that. So just to let you know that as well. Right. So it's completely voluntary. Nobody is verifying. And you may wonder why bother. But as parents, we want the schools to partner with us so that our children have the best possible outcomes as we continue in this military community. Absolutely. And Dr. Mary Keller, the president and chief executive officer here at the MSEC, said it best. I'm going to read a quote that she gave when this first started coming out. And she said, without the military student identifier, educators and policy leaders have no way of knowing whether these students are faring well, keeping pace, or falling behind. The identifier will provide data to inform both educators and policymakers, enabling them to adjust programs, direct resources, and adopt strategies that support these students and their military families. 
Dr. Keller's quote really wraps at the military student identifier perfectly. Join us next week as we talk about the Military Interstate Children's Compact Commission and learn more about your students' educational rights as they transition from place to place. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.